It's Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living with Amy Tobin on Q102. Pull up a chair and join us. Do you want to raise mediocre kids? Neither do I. Rafe Esquith joins me today to discuss his book, Lighting Their Fires, How Parents and Teachers Can Raise Extraordinary Kids in a Mixed-Up, Muddled-Up, Shook-Up World. Rafe, welcome to Amy's Table. Thanks for having me on, Amy. Well, you know, I'm so impressed by your work, so impressed by your book. You've been teaching for 25 years at Hobart Elementary School, which we need to explain to people is not in a wealthy suburban neighborhood, right? Tell us a little bit about the school. Oh, no, I'm a public school teacher in Los Angeles, and at the school where I teach, 92% of the kids are below the poverty level, 100% of the kids do not speak English as a first language, and only... 32% 32% of the kids even finish high school. Oh, man. But I have, a, I have a fifth grade class, and these kids finish college. And I stay in touch with them for many, many years. And a lot of them point to the fifth grade as their turning point. Well, this explains why you've won all of these awards. You are the only teacher to have ever been awarded the President's National Medal of the Arts. You've also won the American Teacher Award, Parents Magazine's As You Grow Old Award, Oprah Winfrey's Use Your Life Award, and People Magazine's Heroes Among Us Award. It's so impressive. And I guess part of it is what makes you so determined to be helpful to these kids, but also what is your magic formula. How are you helping these kids go against the odds so much? Well, first of all, there's no magic. And, and Amy, the only thing of which I'm proud is that after 28 years, I'm still in the classroom teaching. Yeah, that's impressive. um, Somebody's got to stay put and do the job. Um, I think what keeps me going is that I'm very motivated to maybe get kids, and parents especially, to have a different conversation with the children than the life plan that society seems to be laying out for them. Um, in this test-obsessed, you know, school system now, yeah. um, here's a frightening statistic for you. Of this year's freshman college kids, only 24% of them are going to finish college. And <gasps> these are the kids who made it to college. That's these surprising the to ones. me. These are the ones, you know, who know how to pass tests and write papers. And in lighting their fires, I'm pointing out that really these kids are not prepared because there are other skills that you can't test, that we should be teaching children, and we're forgetting to do it. Well, you know, there was a line in the book that I read that I actually uh, took note of that says, you point out that children are born with varying levels of talent and intelligence, but possessing smarts and skills is no guarantee of success. So these kids got into college, they've got all kinds of things helping them through, but their fire isn't lit? Is that what I'm hearing? And they don't have the right skills. You know, college is more than passing tests. Yeah, college, college is about making decisions and managing your time and learning how to work with others and knowing what to do when things go wrong. You know, if, you're, if your girlfriend leaves you when you're depressed, how do you keep going? These are the things that defeat young people in college. And I set this book in one night at Dodger Stadium. I love I that. Five, thank you. When I took five kids to a baseball game. And at that game that night, the kids see everything that's right about our country, but also a lot that's wrong. They deal with you know, drunken fans and people that don't pay attention to the game. Um, the fact that you can't even talk about the baseball game because the big screen assaults you with commercials and music and telling you what to see and what to buy. And I want the kids to maybe face a different direction 
um, than what corporate America is telling them to do. Well, it's interesting because you do talk about certain um, traits and, and character traits that you really have to get the kids um, to develop in children to make them more than mediocre. And you do follow it through the Dodger game, which I just love. But the first is punctuality. Do you think these kids that are not making it through their freshman year or these kids that are not doing so well in life more than school, punctuality is a turning point for them? Not punctuality is the beginning, but the bigger issue is the understanding of what time is. You know, there's no grade on a report card that says, what do you know about time? There's reading and math, but time, the understanding of how to spend time, how to manage your time, and also so many young people today who don't appreciate time uh, fail to understand that the past has something to tell us. Many young people do not want to listen to an older song or watch an older film, or read an older book, because they actually believe that nothing of the past has anything to teach them. Oh, man. The first first inning is all about time. My students have a very healthy respect for time and an appreciation of it. And certainly, when kids manage their time, when they take ownership of their lives in deciding how they're going to spend their time, um, kids that don't watch a lot of television, not because their parents take it away, but they actually turn off their own television because they understand the dangers of it. You know, you That's just, why my students are successful. You just said something so important. Well, first of all, the whole time idea is so important. But when you said kids turn it off, not because their parents do, but because they made the choice. To me, that's the thing. It, teaching kids how to be great, good, do all the right things, even when we're not telling them to well, do it. Well, there it is. Amy, you've got it right. And yeah. There are, many, there are too many schools that, yes, on the surface, it looks like the kids are doing a good job on the surface because, you know, when the teacher's there, they sit up and shut up type thing. Right. But we're not always going to be there. And lighting their fires is about how to get kids to hardwire, to internalize values that they use all the time. So it's real, true and true, through and through. I just had 25 kids. These are kids who were 11, 12, and 13 in Ashland, Oregon, for the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. We were there for 12 days, and only my wife and, and myself are chaperones. There were no adults needed. These kids don't spend their day watching television up there. They could. We have no television rule, but they're too busy playing baseball or going to the theater or swimming or working on puzzles or playing chess with each other. They've decided there are better ways for them to spend time. Well, you and know, that's because we have this discussion all the time. And, and so you are providing this incredible support and direction and guidance at school. And I'm assuming that the kids are then sort of fortified with it and able to do it at home, even if their families aren't helping. But how could a parent help with these well, kinds of, of Yeah. Well, each inning in Lighting Their Fires has easy suggestions for parents to do, as an example. And, you know, this may be common sense, except common sense isn't that common anymore. The, the first thing parents have to do is they've got to have dinner with their kids and turn the television off. Every, every study will show that kids that have dinner with a parent that actually talk about their day and what their expectations are and for the kid to tell them what's going on and what their dreams are, children that are also involved in the making of dinner, or the setting of a table. In the families where Johnny is called in because Johnny dinner's ready, you're making a mistake there. You have an opportunity to teach your children that they are also responsible for dinner and that they should help in the cream of dinner. 
these are the kids that do better. If the television's on and no one's talking to each other, this is when our kids start to stray from us. So really, it's as simple as the family table to start anyway, which, which uh, boy, I'm an advocate of that as well. I think it's sure. so important. I grew up with it, and I try and do that with my kids, too. Well, you know, you do break it out with, with this advice all the way through. And is it ever too late? You know, for example, you're getting these kids in fifth grade. And what if somebody gets turned on to this idea when their child is in eighth grade or their students are in eighth that grade? Is, that is a, it, first of all, it is never too late. One point that I really want parents to remember, on those days where you think the kids aren't listening or you think you're not making a difference, you don't know that. In this fast food society where we want instant everything, it doesn't work that way. Amy, I just got a letter from a kid I hadn't heard from in 24 years. Wow. This was not a kid who was close with me. I didn't think I had any effect. Today, after a very hard childhood, he's a lawyer for the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals for the United States Armed Forces in Washington, D.C. Oh, my God. And he wrote to me, it's everything I showed him 24 years ago. So who knew? Now, that's got to give you such major satisfaction. You must feel so proud. Well, I'm very proud of the kids. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of teachers out there doing the same work I do. I'm the lucky one. I get my name in the paper. Uh, But public, public school teachers, I mean, you know, we get hammered sometimes. And there are bad teachers, but there's also great teachers out there that you never hear about. Yeah, which is great. Well, we're glad we're hearing about you. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Rafe Esquith. He is the author of Lighting Their Fires, How Parents and Teachers Can Raise Extraordinary Kids in a Mixed-Up, Muddled-Up, Shook-Up World. Well, you know, I want to ask you, did you grow up with a family that was very supportive, or were these values instilled in you from a teacher? Or it, That's a very interesting question. I had a wonderful family, but my father died when I was nine, and I still miss him. I was raised by a single parent. She was a great mom. But I do think one of the motivating factors behind my teaching is I know what, it's to grow, what it is to be lonely growing up. I know what it is to miss a parent. Mm-hmm. And I know how important it is for men to be good role models for children because I didn't have that. Well, it's a wonderful book. I, I'm just so impressed with what you're doing. And, and uh, none of us want mediocre kids. We can learn some of these this great wisdom from lighting their fires, how parents and teachers can raise extraordinary kids in a mixed up, muddled up, shook up world by Rafe Esquith. Thank you so much for joining us today on Amy's Table. Thanks, Amy. It's great. Thanks for listening to Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living with Amy Tobin on Q102. For more, visit Amy's blog with Q102 online at WKRQ.com. Hi, it's Kristen. Did you know that not doing things is easier than doing them? There's a lot of things to do, especially this time of year. But when you don't do things, there's more time to do things. Does that make sense? What I mean is when you use Shipt to get everything from gifts to groceries delivered same day, you have more time for the things you want to do. To not do things so that you can do other things, visit Shipt.com slash holiday. That's S-H-I-P-T dot com slash holiday.